Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 51. We are absolutely immersed into the craziness that is the holiday season. I feel it. I know that you feel it as well. Parties, presents, travel, snowstorms, delays, the in-laws. I get it. So while you may not be listening to this episode right when it releases, I know that many of you listen each and every week. You know what we do around here. We release new episodes each and every week for all of our listeners. So hope that you enjoy this one. And if you're flying around for the holidays, be safe. Hope you're enjoying this episode and previous ones while you're flying the friendly skies. Lots of emails, texts, letters this week asking me the same thing. What can we, your loyal listeners, get you as a holiday gift? Well, I'm touched. I really, really, I am. The emotions, they're just, they're just overwhelming. So here's all I'd like you to do for me and the back of the range. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review in Apple Podcast. It doesn't take long. Just let me know that you're having fun listening to the back of the range and follow us on Instagram at the back of the range podcast. You know, we're on Facebook, you know, we're on Twitter. Please share this episode and all of them with all of your friends. If you have one of our towels, post a picture of it on Instagram. Spread the word about this podcast. If you're enjoying it, please support it. That's all that we ask around here. You all know by now where to find information on the Back of the Range, the website, the website, the website, thebackoftherange.com. Every link you can imagine to every episode, all of our social media channels, it is all right there for you. So please check the show notes of this podcast for more information. Our guest this week is Scott Turner, the owner-operator of the Minor League Golf Tour here in South Florida. If you've watched the web.com tour finals last weekend and you saw these pros battling out for their web cards, you might have thought to yourself, I, I don't know half of these guys. Some of you might have known from previous runs on the web or the PGA tour, or maybe some of them were college standouts. But what about the others? Many of them worked their way through the ranks of the mini tours, chasing the dream each and every day, year after year, trying to make it to the PGA tour. Well, the minor league golf tour is one of the best mini tours in the country. You know, some kind of declare bankruptcy and fold. Minor League Golf Tour has been around since 2004, and through over 1,400 tournaments, they've paid out over $8.5 million in prize money. Nearly 80 of their former players had 2018 status on the PGA Tour or the Web.com Tour. Pretty impressive. You know, Scott doesn't just set the pins and collect the entry fees. When he isn't running a developmental golf tour, you can find him playing in amateur tournaments all over the state of Florida. Since reclaiming his amateur status, he's racked up numerous wins in Florida State Golf Association events, and he was also the 2018 Palm Beach County Golf Association Player of the Year. So a lot of great stories, a lot of great information about what it takes to graduate from a mini tour, to make it to the PGA Tour. So, Scott, I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining me here at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm glad we found the time to uh, talk a little bit about uh, your professional career, your amateur career, and especially the minor league golf tour. So, before we get into all of that, all of the players that have come and gone, how the tour actually operates. Before we get to all that, as I like to do in all of our episodes, give our listeners just a baseline understanding of how exactly you got into the game of golf. You know, when I was uh, two and a half, three years old, my dad gave me a couple plastic clubs and a wiffle ball for the backyard, and uh, I fell in love right away. Um, we had a little 
uh, playhouse in the backyard, which over the years had kind of fallen apart, and we had we had had to have it removed, and it turned into uh, to a little bunker in the corner of my backyard. Oh, perfect! Uh, so it was great. You know, I used to hit little bunker shots with wiffle balls, and I just fell in love with the game. And uh, that's awesome. I, I've always I've always loved it. So you um, obviously we're we're going to talk about where you played. Uh, I know you played professionally for a, for a while before transitioning into running the minor league golf tour, and then uh, so collegiately. Tell me about about college golf. Tell me about kind of junior golf area. You know where'd you play? Uh, you know what was your experience like then? I grew up in South Florida. Um, you know I had a good high school um, playing wise. You know I had I won some golf terms in high school. Um, wasn't a standout, but I was a solid player in high school. Uh, planned on playing in college. Uh, unfortunately, did not play in college. Uh, went to a D1 school and uh, did not play for the team. Um, so I've got a story I've never told publicly, but I've got a story about. Oh, this is good. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so so let me let's get a little more detail here. You you went to a school D1 school. Thought you were gonna play? I did. I, I thought I was. I, I I thought I was good enough to to walk onto the team. Okay. Okay. Um, get to the get to the school, and they don't have a walk on tournament. Um, Do we know the name of the school? <laughs> University of South Florida. Okay. Uh, D one school, and their team was not very good the years I was there. Gotcha. I uh, Graduated high school in '02, so I was there from '02 to '06, and I I really thought I could help the team. Um, get there. They don't have a walk on tournament. Uh, so I, I talked to the golf coach and I, I asked if I could just hit some balls with him, hit some balls with the team, do anything. And unfortunately the answer was no. Um, so four years go by and, uh, I have to take a, uh, a, a throwaway class to get a couple credits at my senior year to graduate. And it turns out to be a golf class. Perfect. So I'm on the driving range and the head professional of the claw, which is the course that team practiced on okay um was the instructor of this course so he's watching me at balls one day and he said you know you're a pretty solid player why have you ever talked to, to the golf coach and i said yeah i've been trying for four years i'm graduating in a month and um he said all right well okay so lo and behold the next week i get a call from the golf coach come to my office so i go to his office and um he said um he said what's your plan and i said well i'm graduating in a month and he said, well, if you want to hang around for a fifth year, uh, I'll look at you for next year. And I, uh, I said, you know, thank you, but no thank you. And um, long story short, he, uh, he asked what my plan was after college. And I said, well, I'm not sure, you know, how I'll do, but I'm thinking about turning professional and, and giving this game a go. And um, he said, well, what's your, uh, what's your degree in? And I said, business management. And he said, um, you ever thought about getting a job? And uh, it kind of gave me all the motivation I needed to to try it. And because he basically said, like, I mean, by him asking you that question, have you ever thought about just getting a job? I mean, I, I, I'm reading into this that he was basically saying, yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, you're playing professionally. Like he's kind of telling you, like, I, I took it as. Don't, wait, don't don't waste your time. There you go. Okay. And, and it and it, it hurt, but it gave me some motivation, and it. That's all I need. Yeah, and it. Um, so it turns out that he was right. Um, you know, I didn't make it, but I certainly tried, and uh, you know, it was. Um, Definitely, it sounds like though you would have made that golf team a little bit more successful in the four years. That, yeah, I I was I really wanted to play for the team, and I didn't. But yeah. but anyways, that it it wasn't meant to be, and. Um, 
you know, so I, I gave professional golf a try and uh, had some success, but but uh, never made it. So then so, came the minor league golf tour. Yeah. So you 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 actually played the minor league golf tour for for several years. You won multiple times. Uh, you know, eight time winner. You earned a, quite a bit of money on on the minor league golf tour, and then you kind of get into this um, situation where you actually start working for the tour. So, kind of give me an idea. When did you start transitioning out of playing the tour and then start transitioning into, you know, being a director, learning how to operate it, things like that. So first and foremost, if it wasn't for the minor league golf tour, I wouldn't have had a chance to pursue golf professionally. So that's why uh, it's always meant a lot to me. Um, I believe in the model. And um, like I said, I wasn't in a situation where I had, um, a big sponsor financially to be able to travel to other countries to play other tours sure. or even around our country to play some other tours. So, you know, I only had a chance if I was able to play locally. Um, and that's what the minor league golf tour was. It was a tour where it was an, it was a, a low cost developmental golf tour, um, that, that gave me a chance to play and compete and, and learn how to win. And I won some money to be able to go play some other stuff, to do some Monday qualifiers and to go to Q school and to do some things. So it was, you know, it's, it's meant, it, it meant a lot in my professional journey and, um, you know, hence why I'm still involved with it. Sure. So you're, you're playing the tour. It obviously, just like you said, means a lot to you. And Jace Lazinski is the, is the founder, the original owner of the minor league golf tour. He comes to you and says, hey, you know, or do you go to him? You know, how did it start where you start work for the tour? So so I played a lot for a number of years, um, and Jay was the owner, but he was involved. He was at a lot of events, so I, uh, I became friendly with the director of the tour and Jay as the owner. Um, so we were friendly for a number of years, and uh, Jay actually had offered me a part-time job a few different times while I was playing, and I'd always told him I really appreciate it, but I, it's not the right time. I still want to pursue playing a little bit longer. Sure. Um, so when I finally decided to move to the next chapter of my life, um, Jay was one of my first phone calls, and uh, the rest is history. There you go. So have you ever worked running tournaments before or done anything involved with the operation of a golf tournament? Uh, before the minor league golf tour, no. Okay. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I still I – still, I still do. I mean, even even though I, I own the tour now, I still run the tour. Right. No, no. I was just curious, like, you know, you go from playing it and now being a tournament director and eventually getting, getting into the situation, I think it's a year now that you, you've owned it. Now you're the guy that all of these players that saw you playing are looking to for, you know, purse breakdowns and um, making decisions on rules and, and, and scheduling and, and uh, all that stuff. So now you're that guy. What was that culture shock going into that when you first started? You know, it was it was actually much more seamless than I thought it would be. Okay. Um, I think the players had a level of respect for me because sure. I was a player and a decent player. Um, you know, obviously, it is a business to run, and it's it was it was a shock to me how much goes on behind the scenes that you don't realize as a player. Sure. Um, as a player, you show up at the events and, and everything's done and you don't, you don't really, it's not your job to think no, how it you, all gets done. You got to go play. Yeah. But once you're on the other side of it, you realize how much is involved in running a golf tour. And so that, that was, that was the biggest shock. It was sure. very, it was very seamless. The players, I, you know, they, you know, I, I, I obviously, um, you know, you learn a lot with rules and everything else very quickly, um, in that business, but, 
Um, you know, I, I never had a, a problem with with lack of respect from players. Me going to you know the the director side. Sure. So you you take over the tour about a year ago, just a little bit over the year around September first, twenty seventeen. You you take over your a um, you you own the tour. There's so many different aspects we can go into as far as the the ideology of the minor league golf tour, how it differs from other um, developmental tours, how it differs from you know the McKenzie and the web and things like that. So there's a lot of areas I want to go into. Um, but I feel like we got to get you a little bit, um, you know, a little bit in a, in a lighter and more comedic mood here, way too serious. I mean, it's, it's a serious day. So before we talk about you running the tour, I want you to give me a funny story from your days playing on the minor league golf tour. The, the one that comes to my mind first is, uh, you know, I, one year I went to Q school and uh, I just met, a guy that had moved down here from Indiana. Uh, his name is Matt Springer, and he's one of my closest friends to this day. Um, he was in my wedding, and he's a, he's a, a really close friend of mine. But he just moved down here. Um, he wasn't going to Q school this year, so uh, neither of us had any money, and I didn't have a caddy. And it was in at uh, is in Georgia and uh, Kinderloo Forest. Valdosta, Georgia. Yeah, Valdosta, Georgia, home of the seventy-eight hundred-yard golf course. Yes. Um, so that place, is a, that place is a beast. Uh, it was. It was so hard. Um, but I'd asked him. I said, "Do you do you have any plans? You know, in a couple of weeks for Q school?" And he said, "No." And I felt terrible because I didn't have any money. And you know, I I said, "I'll tell you what. I'll give you a couple hundred dollars, and I'll pay for you can stay with me, and it won't cost you anything, and you'll make two hundred dollars." I'll pay for all your food and everything. And he agreed to it. And we lived the entire week on trail mix. So it was, uh, I felt bad about that. I still feel bad about that to this day, but oh my God. yeah, we literally ate trail mix a couple times a day for a week straight. We, I mean, it was, that's the life of a mini tour player. Okay. Uh, <laughs> wow. I will never forget that story for as long as I live when I go by trails, trail mix. And I mean, can you even eat trail mix anymore from a gas station? I haven't eaten trail mix in years. Okay. I was just <laughs> going to say like, there's no way. Oh my God. Uh, wow. You really brought the mood of this show right down to a screeching halt. Um, we are still looking for a trail mix sponsor, by the way. Uh, we're going to try and get that done. So you're running the tour now and uh, you know, I've, I've lived in South Florida all my life. I played amateur golf down here for a long time. I know a lot of guys that have played the minor league tour Greg O'Mahony is a great friend of mine. He was one of our earlier episodes. I think he's top 10 in career earnings on the minor league golf tour. So a lot of these tours are set up different ways. They're set up in multiple states. They're set up with payment structures that are, you know, hard to understand. For someone that does not know the minor league golf tour, and we are going to put the link to this, the, your, your website link in the show notes, but I know nothing about the minor league golf tour. I'm a college golfer. My eligibility is running out. I'm going to try and play professionally. I read, I see something about the minor league golf tour. I don't know anything about it. Give me a brief description of the tour, how you would explain it to a aspiring young professional. Sure. So I think it's really important because I know me personally, when I was in high school and college, um, and when I thought about turning professional and trying this, this, uh, this great journey that a lot of guys try, um, you know, there, there's no set roadmap. Everyone's got to either figure it out for themselves or if they are lucky enough to have an older mentor that can help them, that's fantastic. You know, I didn't have much of that when I was starting the journey. So I didn't know what to do, where to do it, how to do it, uh, when to do it. So luckily, I ran into the minor league golf tour and it was really helpful in my journey. 
Um, but the main reason the minor and the minor league golf tour was founded by Jay Slezinski in 2004. And it was founded at a time when there was the golden bear tour was still, uh, going strong. And the golden bear tour was, um, you know, a big mini tour where the entry fees were much higher. Um, that was based on like a season. That was more of like a, you buy a season long stretch of tournaments. Correct. They had a summer series that was, I believe, uh, $18,500. And you got, I think it was 15 tournaments, and then they ended up doing spring and fall series where it was $10,000 for eight tournaments, something like that. But it was it was much uh, higher-end mini-tour golf. And, you know, the, the minor league golf tour was founded when that was around, and it was founded to give guys a place to play and practice competitively on days off. And a lot of the, court, a lot of the tournaments were on venues where they would have a three-day or four-day Golden Bear Tour event, um, a day or two before the tournament to play a competitive practice round. The entry fee might have been 90 or $100. One-day tournament might be 5, 10, 20, 30 guys. Um, but it was founded as a low-cost developmental golf tour. And with that being said, a few of the things that were different than other tours is it paid much deeper than other tours. Most tours have always been 33% of the field earns a check. Um, the minor league golf tour was founded with half the field earning a check. And it was like that for a distinct reason. Golf is hard, golf is expensive, and golf takes a long time to realize your potential. Um, so the more guys earning a check, the better. Um, so if you have a 20-man field, uh, top third would be seven guys earning a check. Top half the field is top is 10 guys earning a check. So it's it's much more important for those three extra guys to earn a check versus those seven guys to earn a check worth $20 more. Right. That, that's the whole philosophy is, okay. um, is to pay deeper and, and obviously reward the guys that play well, but also if you play a tournament that costs $180 and you have 20 guys and you finish in ninth place and you earn a $60 check, it's still a $60 check that can help you maybe play another tournament versus not earning any kind of a check, maybe shooting 72 and finishing in ninth and not earning any kind of a check. That That's where the tour was was founded to. So it, so it's, I mean, the, 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 the bottom line is less than 10% of players at the professional main tour level may earn more than they spend. Right. More than 90% spend more than they earn. And that's just the, the cold hard fact of this is not the PGA Tour with a $6 million purse every week with no entry fees. There aren't millions of dollars added in sponsor money into the main tour level. So it's very hard to make a lot of money at, at the, the main tour level. The main tour level is there to develop your game, to play a lot of competitive golf, to learn how to win, to get into contention. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's why it's, it's structured the way it's structured. So what you're trying to do really is you're trying to give your players the most, the most opportunity to fine tune, the, fine tune their games so they can move on. Absolutely. Yeah. The last thing we want is guys to play on the minor league golf tour for five or 10 years in a row. Right. Um, we, we've had a lot of guys graduate to the next level that have played on the minor league golf tour. Um, a couple of the most recent ones are Ben Silverman and Dan McCarthy. Those guys both played for years on the minor league golf tour, um, longer than they would have liked to, but they played very well on the minor league golf tour for a lot of years. And they finally broke out, um, Dan broke out a couple of years ago and won three times in Canada. Sure. Guysweb.com tour card. Um, you know, Ben Silverman broke out. He won the web.com tour two years ago. 
Um, he got his PGA Tour card last year. He barely uh, finished outside the top 125, went to Web.com Finals, uh, the four-event series, uh, played great. The last event to finish tied third to get his PGA Tour card back for the 2018-19 season. So he's, he's definitely a success story of a guy sure. that, that cut his teeth in the minor league golf tour, and he's doing great now, and it's... You see new players coming to your tour, your tour all the time. Absolutely. I know it's a business for you. You operate it. You need, you know, this is a business. But what are some of the things that you see out of some of these younger players that maybe immediately you think, okay, I got to pull that kid aside and maybe talk to him. Like, it's not just about shooting the scores. You have to learn how to act like a professional. There may not be any crowds out here, but but you're preparing yourself. Like, can you give me an example of a story like when you saw a kid and you said, okay, I, I need to sit him down or something like that. Well, first of all, it makes me realize that I'm not the young guy anymore because oh, let's not even start <laughs> with that, okay? Because I get I get pulled aside at least once every month or two from a 20 year old that says, "Hey, I, I know you played for a long time. Can you help me? Can you answer this question?" And I I I love answering sure. questions for guys, but it makes you it makes you remember it makes you realize that you're not you know, in your twenties anymore and that you're not, you're not the, the old oldest guy. one in the room right now. Okay. So just, let's just calm that shit down. Just but, keep going. But, but second of all, um, it happens more often than you think, you know, you, the minute that I see a guy, uh, you know, first of all, in our policy and procedures, uh, any, um, any player acting unbecoming professional is, is subject to fine or suspension or some disciplinary some, action. Some, some discipline. Sure, and, yeah. Uh, it happens a lot where I have to pull someone aside that I see throw a club or that I see yell a curse word loudly or that, you know, it happens a lot where I have to pull someone aside and say, look, that that's not acceptable. And sure. and 95% of the time it solves the problem right there. Just them realizing that it's not acceptable and, um, you know, it's it's not going to be tolerated on the minor league golf tour. And it's 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 just it's not right. acceptable in professional golf, you know, at all. So so you're you're giving players the opportunity to to learn how to play professionally also learn how to act professionally so that's so important because i mean speak to the benefit of your tour versus just 20 guys getting together at a local club and throwing 100 bucks in the middle and for skins or this or that like you do a lot of one-day events you do a lot of two-day events you have contests like give me an idea as, as to how important it is for there's to, to have a tour as opposed to just going out and playing for money no so here here's a perfect example so here's a story that I can relate personally and professionally. But um, when I was younger, the minor league golf tour since day one has done live scoring. Okay, so it started out when Jay started the tour, he'd have a dry erase board that he'd put on the back of a golf cart. Classic. Literally, the players, every player in the event, printed out on a piece of paper, and then he'd have a dry erase marker and he'd go around and he would write your score one under through five holes, and he would do the best he could. Um, that's when I played. Now that I don't play. And Jay is the one responsible for this, but it's all online now. And now every player can actually look at their phone during the round. The player can have their phone on as long as it's on silent and they're not, you know, they can't make a phone call unless it's an emergency, but they can have their phone on to look at the leaderboard. And we encourage this. And here's the reason why. So back when I was playing, uh, I Monday qualified into web.com event. My first ever Monday qualifier made it in uh, somehow. And I happened to be playing well during the first round. Uh, it was playing hard that day, and I was one under par with a few holes to go. And I get to to a green on one of the holes, and there's a huge jumbotron leaderboard. And I look up, and I don't know exactly what place I was in. I want to say I was like T5 or T6. And 
all of a sudden I just, my whole body felt different. And I started thinking, holy cow, I have a chance if I finish this round well to be in the top 10 of a web.com event and this could change my life. And, and all of a sudden I, I jump 10 steps ahead. I end up going bogey, double, par the last three holes, shoot, I think two over the first round and go from the top 10 to probably 40th place. But the point is, is see my name up there completely was an out of body experience. It was, it was, it was a very uncomfortable experience, you know? So now the neat thing about the minor league golf tour is that especially with social media, uh, we do a lot of videos during the event to put on social media, to put on the website between the live scoring, the videos, basically when, when a player is, has a couple holes to go and they see myself or the assistant director come over and get their score or get a video of them, they know what's going on. They know that they're near the lead and it's great. And, and I hate seeing the young guys um, choke, for lack of a better word. No, that's, that's But I would much rather see them learn what it's like to be in contention in a golf tournament at this level versus when I had to learn it at a higher level, you know, it's, it's, it's priceless to be able to, to get that feeling in a one day mini tour event versus having to wait till a higher level to get that feeling. Yeah. you want it to happen now instead of in front of millions of people where, yeah, absolutely. And that, and that's, and that's exactly why the tour is structured the way it's structured. So last year in 2017, we ran 118 golf tournaments um, 118 tournaments. 118 tournaments. God. Do you um, sleep? Do you sleep much? A little bit. Not okay. much. Okay. Not much. Um, so the neat thing about that is I think we get a bad reputation for being a one-day golf tour. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I know a lot of a lot of people that have played it and they look at, well, it's just a one-day event. How the hell does a one-day tournament prepare you for a 72-hole tournament? We spoke earlier about this in preparation for this episode and you broke it down very simply, and it makes total sense. So I'm going to let you explain exactly why a one-day event, or actually multiple one-day events. Go ahead. Absolutely. So for first and foremost, Monday qualifiers are a big opportunity to try to play your way up. If you can Monday into a Web.com or PGA Tour event, play well in that event, it can really change your future in golf. Sure. Well, our one-day events are great preparation for a Monday qualifier. Monday qualifier are a one-day event where you have to go low to make it. Um, so our one-day events definitely prepare you for a Monday qualifier. But more than that, um, if you're a young golfer that's turning professional, the whole goal is to develop your game and learn how to win. One of the biggest goals of mini tour golf is to learn how to win, to learn how your body's going to react under pressure or being in contention on the back nine. Um, we use example earlier, but let's say you choose to play 15 four-day events as a player right out of college. Um, there are a lot of pros to that, but one of the cons to that is even as a good player, you might make nine or 10 cuts out of 15 events and you might be in contention on the back nine on the final round during the final round, maybe a couple of times, maybe two or three times if, sure. if you're a good player. Yep. So if you take that same caliber player and let's say they play 41 day events on the minor league golf tour, they might get in contention on the back nine to win a golf tournament 
maybe 10, 15, maybe even 20 times as that same caliber player. So you have a lot more opportunity to see how your body's going to feel, to learn what it feels like to be tied for the lead, a shot behind, a shot ahead going into the last couple holes. It's repetition. Absolutely, and to yeah. learn and to, to learn to win. It's amazing how many guys will will play 15 or 20 events and not win, and they win one time, then they win two more times in the next week or two. Because it's it, you know it's it's always you know success breeds confidence, and um, you know there's no question that it, it's really important to learn how to win at this level. So you you said that 118 events now are those are those those aren't all one day events correct okay so, that, so give so, me yeah give me the kind of a i mean off the top of your head of course but but give me an idea so what are we looking at here for like in for a year long if i want to play the entire year on the minor league golf tour what kind of events am i going to be playing in? sure the, the neat thing is there's a lot of options so out of those 118 events a lot of them are one day events but 25 of them are multi-day events so we have four majors every year we have we had five qualifying school contests last year, where the winner of the event earned forty five hundred dollars to pay for their Q school. Um, we had uh, a match play event at the end of October, um, and then we had other two day events throughout the year. So the neat thing is is that we go year round. So that's why we have so many events, and the one day events are great to stay sharp before you go play. Q school or a Monday qualifier or a bigger event, but we do have some bigger events. Our four majors, um, the entry fee is a little bit higher than the one day events. Um, with a full field, first place pays ten thousand dollars in in those in those four majors. The last few years, three of the four majors have sold out. Um, the third major, uh, it's right before Q school, and it's always it, it hasn't sold out. But the other three majors, our tour championship is our is in December. It's our flagship event. Um, it has sold out the last five years and had a ten thousand dollars first place. So we do have some bigger events, um, but we also have a lot of one day events throughout the year just to give guys a place to play uh, when they're getting ready for for another event. So you mentioned you mentioned these guys that are getting this experience with uh, with with the minor league tour, and a lot of them have, that have graduated. You mentioned Silverman, you mentioned McCarthy. You got a couple other pretty big names that have gone through the ranks here at the minor league golf tour. So tell me about the interesting differences between Brooks and Chase Kepka, because both of those are local South Florida guys. No question, uh, both incredible players, and and Brooks played a little bit on the minor league golf tour in 2012. So back then he was out of college, he was traveling to Europe. Um, playing a little bit on the Challenge Tour, and when he was home, he played a few. He played eight of our events. He won four of them, which is very hard to do. Um, and one of those four events was our Tour Championship, which first place was ten thousand dollars. Which is that's a pretty big check for 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 guys at this level. That's a, that's a huge check. That's a lot of money. Right. Um, and during the trophy presentation, uh, you know, he's got this big check in front of him, and uh, Happy Gilmore size check, ha- right? Happy Gilmore Perfect. size check. Love it. Um, you know, and he made the comment, um, you know, I'm going to win a lot bigger checks than this. And that's just, that's, that's Brooks Kepka. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why he's so successful, um, you know, and he's gone on to win three major championships and he proved us right. Absolutely. So it was pretty neat. Um, his brother, Chase Kepka has also played on the minor league golf tour. Um, complete opposite. You know, the first event he walked up, um, he played for university of South Florida where I went to school and, uh, we quickly chatted about that and it was just, it was, he's he's awesome. He's he's the most humble, uh, nice young man I've ever met, and he's he's played great. He's played 28 of our events in the last couple of years. He's won 10 times, which again is just that's crazy. Yeah, to good. Win, he's winning a third of the events he enters on it. That's yeah. And and a lot of people, 
don't realize how strong the fields are. And you would think a low cost developmental golf tour would be full of, you know, just okay players. And it's, it's not the case. Steve LeBron plays, Justin Hicks plays, Sonny Kim plays these guys, you know, Justin Hicks has been, has won three times on web.com tour. You know, there's a lot of very talented players that are playing in these fields. So to win 10 out of 28 times is, uh, is not, not a small accomplishment. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen, uh, I keep track of the tour and see who's playing and see how the scores are. And, and it's, you know, you see things like, hey, three-way playoff. These three guys shot 66, and it goes three extra holes. You're like, good. And you're, I'm looking outside my window, and I 'm like, man, it was blowing like 20 20 mile per hour winds all day, and it was raining for yeah, they're still shooting those ridiculous scores. Um, we're definitely going to put a lot of the links to to the minor league golf tour. I think it's worth people that are wanting to know who's going to be the next breakout star. You know, yes, there are the Speeths and the uh, the DeChambos and the Patrick Cantleys that just pop right out of college. But your tour and other tours like it and the Latin America tour, these are the tours that these players that you're going to see in the next three, four, five years, That this is where they're coming from. No no question. And right after Dan McCarthy won three times in Canada a couple of years ago, um, I got a call from a reporter that said, we don't know who this kid Dan McCarthy is. We see online that he's played on your golf tour in South Florida. Who is this kid? Right. And, I, and I said, well, I know everyone's just learning his name now because he just did it on a national level. Yeah. But he's been playing that well for the last four or five years on our tour. He's He won, uh, gosh, I want to say 54 times on the minor league golf tour over a five-year stretch. I mean, he's, he's an incredible player who played that well for a long time before he broke out in Canada and then on the Web.com tour last year. So... Um, you know, no, he, it, it, it's, it's neat to watch these guys, uh, cut their teeth learn how to win and, and play their way up. So we, we've spoken a lot about your, how you're managing the tour and a lot about your former players. Give me a story about one of your events where things just went sideways for you, whether it's rain or this didn't show up or that didn't show up. I'm not to, not to put you on the spot for, for a blooper reel moment, but there's got to be a funny time about some sort of a day. You're running 120 events a year. Do you remember one that just, for some reason, just comedy of errors just started? The the one that pops in my head first and foremost is we had a one-day event scheduled. I believe it was in Fort Lauderdale. And the day before, actually a couple of days before, uh, torrential rains had come and the course was underwater. And the course called me uh, the day before the event in the morning and said, I'm sorry. There's no way. There's there's no way this golf course is going to be open tomorrow for your event. Sure. And we hate to cancel events. Uh, we really don't like to do it. Um, we know these guys are playing for a reason. A lot of them are preparing for Q school or preparing to go leave for a Monday qualifier. Or they're most of them are preparing for something. So canceling an event is not ideal. Um, so this situation, I happen to live north of Fort Lauderdale, so I knew that the weather had been fine up north. So I got on the phone, and started calling. Some of our other venues up north, and so I know it's last minute. I, th- I want to say we had maybe 30 players sign up for the tournament. I said, "Is there any way you can squeeze in us to have a 30-player tournament tomorrow?" And I found a course, you know, 100 miles north of Fort Lauderdale that was dry, and we had the event. And you know, the players were happy to to be able to to play to play in that event that day. Nice. So just we, I got golfers. We're ready to travel. Just whoever's got room. Absolutely. I would think that country clubs, golf courses in South Florida, all over, you know, Broward, Palm Beach, Dade, 
I would think that they would want to host these professionals. Like, what's the general vibe when you go to these courses? Like, are are members just watching your players just in awe of, like, who are these people? Unfortunately, no. Um, That's one of the hardest parts about the tour is we try to provide the best venues that we possibly can for these players to compete on, and it's very difficult. Uh, We do have a few courses that a few members will come out and watch the guys play, and that's awesome. But unfortunately, it's, it's few and far between. Um, the bottom line is golf in South Florida is a business and, um, just choose not they, to have they us. Got, they and, got members to, to make happy for the most part. Or well, they there's have... no question. The private clubs, um, you know, the, the winter months when their membership is here, we understand that, sure. that they can't open the doors to us. And some of those private clubs do open the doors in the summertime when their members are up North, which is great. Um, and we do play, um, majority public golf courses in the winter time. Um, but even the public golf courses, uh, most of them are just full from January 1st and through April 30th, and it's it's very difficult. So we, we try, we're always trying to find new venues, um, especially the last few years with venues closing down. Um, that, sure, that's made yeah. it harder because not only are we losing possible venues, but then those golfers are going to go to the other venues, which makes them busier. It's, yep. it's just, it's very difficult. So we're very fortunate that we have um, the clubs that we have that host our events, but it's, 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 it's a constant battle trying to get new courses and the best courses we can. So one of the other aspects of the, uh, the Violet golf tour, something really interesting that I saw is that you have a thing called the training division. Now, is that set up for the simple fact that there are some players, whether they're, they're college players that they're just not sure yet if they want to chase this and they just want to have a little separate division so they don't get their heads kicked in or like explain to me, the 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 training division so it's pretty cool because we've we've done a lot of things in the last few years to really try to cater to every level of golfer and what i mean by that is we have guys like justin hicks and steve lebron who played multiple years in the web.com tour and the pga tour justin hicks won three times the web.com tour he's fighting hard to try to get back to that level um but so we have we have our majors we have our bigger events that are catered to the better players. We have a bonus pool, an optional bonus pool. So if we have a one-day event, um, there'll be an optional bonus pool. There'll be an optional skins game for the guys that want to play for more money. There's also something called a training division. So the training division, let's say we have a, a one-day event. The entry fee is $180. Um, the train division will be around $90, around half that entry fee. And the regular division is open to professionals or amateurs with a handicap, handicap of six or less. The train division is open to anyone, um, and it's primarily amateurs with a handicap of six or more. Um, but it's guys that want to play and get all the experience of a professional golf tournament without playing for the professional purse. So for $90, they can come out and play on the exact same golf course, the same tees, the same hole locations, the same exact conditions as the professionals for $90. And they still can win a gift card. We put in $25 per player in the training division for a gift card purse for the training division, but they're really playing for all the experience um, to really get better and to eventually play in the regular division and play their way up. So the training division is really a cool way to get all the experience for a very small entry fee. So we we're we've talking a lot about your experience running the minor league golf tour, but let's talk about your playing career. So you obviously, uh, well, I know you've reestablished yourself as an amateur. 
how do you uh, how do you like being an amateur now, being on the other side? And you're not chasing uh, the professional career. Are you enjoying playing as an amateur now? Like, what's your it is more of a rebirth into the game? No question. Um, when I stopped playing professionally, I stopped right after uh, Q School 2013, and I played very little golf for the the couple years between when I stopped playing um, until I got reinstated. I played very little. I played almost no competitive golf and I played very little, um, you know, casual golf, um, which, which looking back, I don't know how I did it, but I was very busy with work. Um, you know, learning the business and, uh, Jay, the the founder was incredible in teaching me the entire business. And it was, it was, it was a lot of long days and long weeks and long months learning everything. Um, so I think that's the only way that I was able to get away from golf, but, but there's no question when I got reinstated as an amateur, um, it, you know, I, I wish I had more time to dedicate to the game, um, but it, it's been it's been incredible. Looking forward to to competing on a lot of weekends and try to qualify for national championships, and it's uh, it's been it's been incredible. Because your tour basically plays during the week. That's very true, and there's the reason for that is very few courses could host us on the weekends. The, the majority of the courses that have us. They can have us because Monday through Thursday are slower days for them, and they can host our events. So that's that's the majority of the reason why our events are during the week. But um, and you want to be available to play on the weekends. It's, <laughs> it, I mean, shit, yeah. I mean that that works out good. Um, wow. Before we let you go, I did I did have this one question I wanted to ask. You know, you're so close to these guys at a where you were yourself chasing this dream, and now it's almost like you're trying to get other guys to to their dream is it sometimes hard being that close to it I mean you're right there it was a little hard at first but very quickly that went away and the fact that if I could help a few guys in any way when they asked me a question about how should I do this what should I how should I go about this what should I do when should I do it um the fact that I could help some guys was was pretty cool and that you know I got over it pretty quickly um you know when I got my amateur status back and um, you know, I had a little bit of success at, at amateur events and I got asked a lot, you know, are you going to turn professional again? And it was a really quick, you know, no, I, I loved the journey. I enjoyed it, but I enjoy what I do now and, sure. and seeing these guys chase their dream. And, um, you know, it's, I, I, I honestly get a lot of satisfaction when I see guys play their way up. It's, it's really neat to know that, you know, that the minor league golf tour played a small part in a lot of guys' journeys. It's pretty neat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, Scott, I really do appreciate your time. I'm glad you stopped by. I'm glad we got to, to get a little more information about the minor league golf tour. Um, we're going to put the the uh, links to the uh, to the website in our show notes. But the website, give me some of the information on how people can find that information on the minor league golf tour. Sure. The website is minorleaguegolf.com. And then uh, Instagram, minor league golf tour. Um, we also have a Facebook page and Twitter, but uh, Instagram the, the neat thing about Instagram is it's hot shit, man. I mean, it's hot shit. Th- I'm sorry. Go well, ahead. Go the, ahead. The neat thing is, is that you know, we get, I get this a lot from former players and current players. But former players, they tell me all the time, you know, I don't have time to look at your website every day to look and see what's going on, but I can look at your Instagram and see, you know, every single day what's going on with the tour and who's winning and who's doing this and doing that. And it's really neat. It's a neat way to to follow along with what's going on on the tour in 30 seconds every day. Perfect. Well, we'll put those links. Um, hopefully our listeners will, will you know, keep an eye on the minor league golf tour, look at the players, because those are the ones they're going to be seeing on TV in the next few years. So, Scott, 
thanks for joining me. We'll uh, we'll try and do it again soon. You got it. Thanks for having me. And there you have it. Another great episode here at the back of the range. Thank you so much to Scott Turner for joining us this week. Remember, next week is the last one of the year. It's our 52nd episode. That will feature Stuart Hagestad, 2016 U.S. Mid-Amateur Champion. You do not want to miss that episode. Go ahead and subscribe in Apple Podcasts. Check us out, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, thebackoftherange.com. We will see you next week here at the Back of the Range.